Hey, everybody. Welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff from the show, the, the Cool Friends thing. Uh, and I'm so bad at starting these shows. Uh, welcome. Uh, I have a, an amazing uh, cool friend, a very first of the cool friend, a person, a cool friend that I've never technically met in person, maybe, possibly. Still yeah. unsure. It's possible. <laughs> I... I think I'm going to like I'm going to go through like Kaiser Soze memories of whether or not we've met before Secret Galaxy, nay, Toy Galaxies, Dan Larson. Dan, how are you, bud? I'm very well. Hello. Nice to finally meet you. It I'll do is. that business thing. Nice to e-meet you for the first time. It's, yeah, because that's a, it's way better that you said it e-meet you, because if you tried to <laughs> if you tried to make a portmanteau of those two things, it would be that's wrong. It's nice to eat you. Yeah, um, it's funny you tell that story. I had there's one of the guys that runs one of the G.I. Joe podcasts. He's followed our channel for years. I followed his thing, but we had never met in person. We didn't think, but he was going through some old photos of his from. And it's funny you brought this up right before we started the show from Granite Con <laughs> and realized that he had been at a Granite Con where I was dressed up as Flint and took a picture with him before Secret Galaxy Toy Galaxy was a thing. So he didn't know who I was at the time. I was just day, some yeah. guy dressed up as Flint. So he's going through his pictures like six months ago and was like, holy crap, I met Dan <laughs> five I years ago. A, I have a similar story about uh, my friend Chris Ward, who used to work for Wizard Magazine. And we became really good friends. And now we're like pinball buddies. And he lives in St. Louis. We text each other all the time. We're like really good buddies. I found this photo from 2000 of Wizard World Chicago of my girlfriend at the time and Galactus, the guy in the Galactus mm, costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is Chris. And but, I just uh, sent wait, him the what? photo and I was like, is this you? And he's like, that is very much me. And I was wait, like, what well, year we was met that? 20 years ago. What year was that? The 2004 Wizard World Chicago. Okay, I wasn't at that one. I was at like almost all the ones before that. I was Chicago at 98, ones? 99, 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so my, like, I was in college from 99 on but like when i started being an adult was when i started going to what i call like real conventions and my first one was wizard world philly 2004 that was the first one that was like a bigger convention that's was that the only one that was in philly no they did philly for a while i know they did was that the first one they did in philly i think first in philly might have been a three because i was at philly (laughs) i'm trying to figure out where we crossed paths already we had to it had to have been new england like, yeah, yeah, I don't know sure. if you ever went to like that's entertainment in Worcester, but I used to work there oh, only um, a, a couple of years ago was the first time I ever oh, went. It's fun, huh? Oh, yeah, it's a great shop. It is a <laughs> pop culture emporium. Fantastic. But yeah, no, I, I so like that. So I know like basically here's and I start this by saying, here's how I know you. And I actually discovered you the way a lot of people did, which was doom scrolling during the pandemic. Now, I know that you had obviously been very established at that point in time because you had a good backlog. This was back when the show was called Toy Galaxy. You hit my algorithm, surprise. And I was like, okay, I love this guy, number one. Number two, I was just like, yeah, this is what... It felt like I watched somebody like living a parallel life. I've been like, wait, I've... Okay. And and I just really fell into it. And I was like, oh, I love this guy. And it ended up being kind of a bit where I was like still looking for stuff that you were doing. You had like great toy reviews, but the the history stuff, the secret history of mm-hmm. stuff really was fun. And it's one of those things where like, you know, when you watch a documentary that you already know a lot of the information about, like you're watching I Have the Power, 
the He-Man yeah. documentary. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. well, I know most of this stuff. Yeah, Mark Taylor yeah. was great. But, but then you're like, but I sure do love watching this and the way they yeah, yeah. the information is <laughs> very good. That's the subtitle of our show. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's how it went through. And I just became like low key obsessed and was like, oh, I really enjoy this show. But I didn't make it weird until and make it weird. I was doing a TV guidance council with Ken Reed. And he's like, so your episode's going to go right after Dan Larson's. And I was yeah. like, excuse me. <laughs> like, I'm somehow surprised that you're friends with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I was like, okay, this is a parallel life thing. So for those of you that are not aware of Dan, Dan, explain, like, what's the elevator pitch for Secret Galaxy? It is uh, a weekly show. We post every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Episodes usually run 10 to 15 minutes or so. And it's it's basically, some people call them deep dives. I don't think they're that deep. I think it's more about taking all of these pop culture things, toys, cartoons, video games, movies, comic strips, books, uh, any of these sort of pop culture elements in 2000, right? That's sort of our sweet spot yeah. of, of years that we can. And the there. earlier you go, I'm assuming the worst, <laughs> unless it's Star the Wars. The earlier we go, the worse they perform. The later we go, the worse they perform. Yeah. yeah. There's a sweet <laughs> it's spot of. Right in that middle. Yeah. The pacifier for the babies that we need. Exactly. And it's it like 82 to 87. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because you do an ad read for 80s tees and, and you very much know your audience when you're doing that bit because you're like. Yeah, it's from 2000s, but, you know, it's basically the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I watch regularly. I did subscribe and smash that notifications bell to get Appreciate up to date push notifications. <laughs> but because I, I do like I happen to be yesterday, I, I happen to be I, as of recording. We're recording this on a Friday. I was uh, setting up Patreon packages. So I just basically had stacks of trading cards in front of me. And I was like, I need something on to take and then literally turned on youtube and it was like there it is the history of he-man 2002 and one of my co-producers on a different show on a show nerd tagged me like like sent it to me and was like this is good timing and i was like it, it is this man yeah. knows everything i want to do because he did the 2002 he-man which i i liked it was good it was fine you know what? I, I realized what my issue with that show was and why it didn't really connect with me. I had the figures, but I'm like, why? Why didn't I connect with the show? I was living in my first apartment at the time and couldn't afford cable. Yeah. And then so you, had, you had to like get it on a DVD <laughs> yeah, if you wanted years to later. It. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, the uh, there's lots of reasons why things don't appeal to us. I I talk about this a lot with like nostalgia bias where everyone's like, look, I'm wearing He-Man shorts right now. Like... <laughs> I don't go around pretending that He-Man was a great show. But yeah, it's like, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It was a commercial for children to sell toys. And I bought in. And now I still let it dictate my life. Yeah, well, and that's, that's I think, always sort of been our angle on this stuff. My angle, anyway, has been, as long as you're aware of what the stuff actually was, who the audience was that it was being made for, and and where you played into that was being made for six-year-olds and you were a six-year-old yeah. and that's why you love it so much. As long as you're aware of all that stuff and you can approach it all with a sort of healthy state of mind and keep it in check and not go too crazy with it. It's all good. It's all fine. It's just fun. What's, what's funny is I agree with you a thousand percent and yet it's funny that you and I are like, yeah, but don't go crazy with it. Yeah. And then we look at like our Where's careers. The line? <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. We can profit from it. Yeah. <laughs> we just, you can either profit from this or be destroyed. That's yeah, exactly. how, that's how exactly. you can view fandom at this point in time. But yeah, no, because I'll see it a lot where people are like, this isn't good. This is good. And right. you're like, no, it's also not good. Like, <laughs> this isn't the He-Man I wanted. I, grow, I want growing up. I'm like, you don't want it. It's not good. The yeah. the writing is done by very talented people that were writing very stupid toy commercials. So let's not treat this too precious. There's been a few of these franchises that have done pretty decent updates. The the one that I probably enjoyed the most was the Voltron, the Netflix Voltron it's great, yeah. uh, series, which was really, really fantastic. And the way I would describe that to people is like, this is the show you thought you watched. Like right? when you go back and watch that original Voltron, it's dated. It's obviously the localization in the American version versus the go lion of the Japanese version. There's so much lost and literally lost in the translation there. Oh yeah. And so when you watch that Netflix one, you're like, yeah, this is it. This is Voltron. This is what I love. And it's like, okay, but this is not the show. It's <laughs> that not was, that original show. I felt that way about masses of the universe Reve revelation when people were getting so mad at it. And I was like, are you mad? Cause this is the first time we've had a good version of this. Like well, well written, thought out with fleshed out characters, and they're like, "Well, it's they let a woman do something, which I am not a fan of." And you're like, "Oh, okay." I don't know how much of it is when something changes that you have made your identity, yeah. and then that suddenly shifts. You're having your identity shifted forcibly, like when when the when Tila becomes the main character of Masters of the Universe, and you've spent the last thirty years as this acolyte of masters of the universe talking about how much it's 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 formed you into the person that you are today and then suddenly they make a change like that and now your identity has been changed the thing that you have based your whole life around i think a lot of people <clears throat> are are dealing with that and they don't realize it they have know? to accept that they you, it, you, it is funny because it, it it's like a lack of evolution you're yeah, not allowing yeah. you're 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 not being bamboo. You're not allowing yourself to sway or go with the flow yeah. and enjoy a narrative. Which and there's is that too many people get that emotional investment uh, confused as well. I gave you 30 years of my life. You can't yeah. suddenly change who the main character is. There's only one main character. It's He-Man. <laughs> yeah, know? it's He-Man. It says <laughs> He-Man right there. And you're like, yeah. mm. it does say Masters of the Universe, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. But yeah, there is that. I, I know I'm in like, I, I'm in a Motu Facebook group. And the thing that I always laugh at the most, and it's just so funny, is it's always these guys that will be like, who's who, here's who we need as the live action He-Man. And then it's like a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, oh, well, can they act? And they're like, that doesn't matter. Look at them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, well, the, the, the visual is a drawing, so we can adjust to that. But what you really need is somebody who can act. And they're like, I am very confused by what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, well, you yeah. can you can exercise a man bigger. A lot easier than it is to teach. A huge body. Yeah, hey, that that John Carter movie is a pretty good He-Man movie, by the way. <laughs> it's it's a pretty good He-Man movie. It's also not a not a great movie the way uh, people seem to think. No, it's not the best. But yeah. I remember the, the first time I ever opened packs of trading cards. Uh, on camera was uh, when I worked at the other company and they had like this set of like dynamite made Deja Thoris packs. Mm -hmm. And we were like opening them like, oh, these are fun. We didn't realize they were like each pack was like $120 because 
because like there were like sketch cards in each one it was like really like the highest premium of stuff Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. kept opening them and the producer was like and i was opening them with uh my friend sam who who was also my producer and editor at the time and we were we were just having the best time and they were like you you can't and i was like well you can't sell it like that you can't you sell them by the box and the boxes were like a thousand dollars yeah (laughs) and i was like are we in my head because you're selling something so you want to be like these are so great which they were but i was like are we selling thousand dollar packs of deja thoris trading cards right 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 for those that don't know that's the princess from john carter but i always remember being like all right like let's do it i want to open this it was usually depicted as like 99 percent nude <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's on mars you, on mars you don't need clothes right <laughs> no 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 it's further from the sun so they right, are exactly. have a more insular yeah. uh, right. heat system okay so you have your shows go up every thursday so i'm actually fascinated because you're the writer Right. 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 So you write these out. So what's the process? Like, I'm assuming the show takes five days to write, find the editing, produce film, et cetera. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Greg. So it's we're a two person team. Producer Greg and I, he basically sets the schedule. He's the sort of channel manager. He sets the schedule. He He's the one that's sort of trying to match up subject matter with expected performance with sponsorships. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he'll, we have a sponsorship coming in. We know we have to get a certain number of views in 30 days. So he'll try to find the right subject for that. So he'll, he'll set that schedule and determine, he'll sort of do the first wave of research, right? Mm-hmm. Here's all the basics. Look, Wikipedia is Wikipedia. Of course you start there. <laughs> of course yeah. you start there, but you don't stop there. That's the difference, right? No. You, you go out, you find, we, we try to find as much contemporaneous stuff stuff as we can quotes from the people who worked on it especially reviews at the time all that kind of stuff so he'll do the first wave of research and just kind of give me this packet of research and say here you go this should be everything you need i don't know i hate he man is he not as invested in that world he is absolutely all of this if if he had his way we would probably be a movie channel or or even more just whatever we wanted to deal with on any given week this yeah. week it would be the the economy. Next week it would be cars. The week after that, it oh, would so be like nostalgia. Now. He's not addicted to that drug. No, no. Now That's he has great. some things that he loves, but he is mostly a horror movie guy. So okay. the Friday the Thirteenth series, the the Nightmare on Elm Street oh. series. So he does also like bad things. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just not we're not on the same page as far yeah. as the things that we like that are bad. And and that's what's made the partnership so good is that I I bring the trivial knowledge of all the pop culture stuff and the enthusiasm and and the collecting and that sort of thing. And he just wants to make videos. He wants to be able to produce them and and edit them and and sort of do that whole thing on the back end. So he'll do that sort of first round of research, drop it on me. I'll take I'll pick that up. And I take a day, usually Monday is my day to just like immerse myself in the thing. Sometimes I've already got 30 years of experience with a thing, Transformers, G.I. Joe, whatever. Other times, like we just just did our yesterday, we shot our video for the Monster Squad, the movie the Monster Squad. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I think I had seen it once since 1987, <laughs> maybe it somewhere is. along the way. It's definitely interesting on a rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. It's got it's got some holes, but what doesn't, you know? <laughs> you know what's very funny? Speaking of like tying things together here, when Ken Reed was out here, he did I do a show. You'll appreciate the name of my stand-up show is called Mint on Card. And okay, it's yep. in a toy store, in a great toy oh, nice. store. Yep. And so when Ken was coming out here to do he comes out, he would come out all the time to record episodes of 
TV guidance counselor on location with people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I'm going to bring some people that I've been like hanging out with to the show. I hope that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, we do like audiences. Generally, that's a preference for stand up. So I forgot that he said that until I'm doing I'm on stage and I was like looking I was like is that is that the monster squad back there and there was just like three members of the monster squad and then next to them was Olivia Dabo okay yeah, yeah. and I was like oh yeah huh. read yeah here. but it was just very funny to be just you're doing a set and you're like I think the entire monster squad is in the back of this room today's They're- my day I'm gonna join yeah yeah <laughs> They were, they were, they were really nice guys, but it was like, it really kind of blew me away when I was like, ah, God, I liked that movie. So you hadn't seen that movie in a long time, a long time. And in order to be able to speak to it as an expert or at least competent, I I need to know what the thing is that I'm talking about. So uh, I, I, I will immerse myself in the thing. I watched the movie once through just on a like, okay, let's just watch the movie. Cursory glance. Do do another watch through of like, okay, let me make some notes. Let me things I might want to call out trends I'm seeing, whatever. And that's when I start to sort of formulate like, okay, what is my narrative here? Because we are not the first people on YouTube to talk about the Monster Squad. There's probably a video, new video goes up probably every week. Yeah, right. Uh, and on top of that, Andre Gower, who starred as Sean, he, he made the definitive documentary about sure that movie and the phenomenon in 2018. So it's like, we're not going to beat him. We're not going to cover more than he covered. So I need to find some kind of angle that is different. How can I tell a different story here? that covers all the basics of that franchise and that movie and it's sort of rise and fall or it's fall and then it's fall further and then it's rise and and yeah, it bombed it bombed hard when it, it came bombed out, right? hard yeah. bombed hard like yeah. the, they they tell the story fred decker the director and some of the the cast went around drove around theaters that in la the day it opened in 1987 they drove around the theaters and there were literally like seven people <laughs> On opening yeah, night, <laughs> there's real who's this for energy at the time that you go through that. But yeah, that's that's really interesting to me because as soon as the, here's how acclimated I am with your work now is that when you started saying that in my head, I'm hearing you go through a script the way you would of like written by Shane Black of Predator, like going yeah, through. Yeah, all, yeah, like, yeah. I have that in my head now because I've become so acclimated with your work. Which is very fun. It's very fun to me. Also, you're beardless. Normally, I, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not like a huge beard guy, but I also acknowledge that it's sort of become my look. And and that's cool. And I appreciate that I have that and, and that people like that. It, it definitely disturbs some people when I do shave. I wasn't oh. sure if I was going to wear a hat today. So I'm glad to see you're wearing a hat. <laughs> I'm a hat guy. Um, <laughs> so I'm I. a hat, which is funny because uh, people think, tend to think I'm very bald. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I wear a hat. I just like, I've always been a hat guy. Coincidentally, a show that you should have been on this. I was on this weird show that was supposed to be on sci fi that was like Antiques Roadshow at Comic Cons. And Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, And I was the historian. That was my job to talk about why you should care about Godzilla. Like, literally, a job that you could have magically been placed (laughs) in and done the exact same job where I'm like, (laughs) the reason Godzilla was important because cable in the 70s was exactly like, (laughs) Stuff that you do, that was going to be my job. And I had a, I used to wear a Red Sox hat and the the producers took me aside and I'm going to summarize what they said because I can't remember it verbatim, but they were like, we love your douchebag scumbag look. Your broism is really important for us. Wait, what? They were, (laughs) they they were like, we love that. They were like, we can't get major league baseball and Boston Red Sox approval 
for a basic cable show. You're not getting that hat on. What can we do to keep this energy from you? And I'm like, I'm sitting there listening, being like, (laughs) this feels like a compliment because you're saying you like something about me. But what you like is that I'm very different from what you're expecting this person to be on your show. Yeah. I did not realize I was giving that kind of energy by putting on this hat. Is it the hat or is it? everything else it is me i i've accepted i refer to it all the time and people that listen to the show i have resting cop face okay and gotcha like and which is also just saying like resting face or whatever you want to say like i look stern i'm very big i can so they were like we love that about you we like yeah. that you're a terrifying yeah. man with the you're playing face. against type yeah yeah but they were they were i was like well just make it an m and they were like yeah we could do that and then i stole the hat Oh, that's great. After we filmed, I stole the hat, went to a friend of mine whose mom is an embroiderer and said, can you make these? And just that's totally, perfect. So then that's these, to- are, yep. it's a custom hat. It's, I was going to say it's the, it's the Boston Red Sox kind of typey face. Yep. Yeah. It's the, the New England M. Yeah. yeah. Trademark this is, a, this is a, a United States Navy blue angels. So this is technically copyright free. <laughs> that's technically a, that's <laughs> a fruit snack there. right there. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I look at, cause we're roughly around the same age. And, and so I, when I look, I actually got blinded by things I wanted to ask you because I was like, well, there's so much. And let me, before you ask that question, let me, let me finish off. So Monday, yeah, immerse myself fine. in the stuff. Tuesday, I try to basically find what is my narrative? Like by the end of the day, I need to know what my narrative is at the, at a minimum. So I need to have the opening written. I need to have the, the sort of setup, and then the plot needs to be done. Those three things need to be done before I leave the office on Tuesday. Ideally, I'm even further in the script. So you have an office. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, we rent it. We have an office slash studio that we set up over the pandemic. We can come back to that. But day three, Wednesday is, okay, write the rest of the script. <laughs> and that's like, the day's not over until the script is over. Sometimes I'm done at like six o'clock. Sometimes I'm done at 2 a.m. But just, it is really? what it is. We have to shoot Thursday morning. So Thursday morning, we're at the office slash studio, 9, 9.30. We're usually shooting by 10, 30, 11. If, if it's a 15 minute video, we probably shot about 18 minutes worth of stuff. It's really, yeah, we're such, we're so comfortable and in such a groove at this point that once it's on the teleprompter, once we've done that read through the script is ready to go. I've already read through it three or four times. I wrote it in my voice. So it's got my cadence already built into it. And so it's like, all right, lights, camera action, let's go. And then 15 minutes later, we're See, that was actually going to be one of my bigger questions was how long does it take to go through? But that, cause you also do this very smart thing where you will show the outtakes as you're going through the finishes or <clears throat> even in the middle of the show, you'll do an outtake and then you'll yeah. you'll cut it back, which I think is a great flavor to add to the show. It was definitely something that let us realize that that was the personality of the show. Early on, we, we used to keep the outtakes separate and they would be, we would put up outtake reels. And I'm, I'm talking like early on the first three, four months of the channel when we only had 100, 150 subscribers, we would put up outtake reels. And then what happened was I got so good and so comfortable in front of the camera, I had so many reps in that we don't have outtakes anymore. No, I don't make mistakes. I don't, I'm not saying we don't make mistakes anymore. <laughs> well, it's like you're not reading someone else's words. Exactly. Exactly. And so if there is an outtake, first of all, they're generally not funny. It's just me saying word wrong and you go, okay, start over, just do it again. And then if there is an outtake, it's, it's usually some kind of ad lib thing that is funny and adds to the video. And so pretty early on, Greg realized that that was funny. Leave it in. We're, 
the documentary stuff is secondary. We're trying to make an entertaining show first. Yeah. Right? Like I got to spend a lot of time, get all the dates and facts and names and stuff. Right. And that all stuff has to be correct. But at the end of the day, if it's not entertaining, then anybody can deliver that. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've managed to create these wonderful bits that have sort of evolved and it's one that came up, I'd say within the past year, that's relatively probably my favorite is where you'll be naming lists of things. And I mean, by now it's very, but you'll be like, it, it, it's hey, Roger Rabbit, Jim <laughs> and the Transformers all separate, not. Yeah. Roger and that like watching that, I was just like, that's such a good bit to add on. Not not late, but like after you've already established yourself yeah. to create this new bit has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, from day one, the the goal, we, it started with just Greg and I in, a, in, in my living room. He had a camera. I had a laptop. And my goal was, let me see if I can make him laugh. Because I, 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 I don't come from performance at all. Like, I didn't do drama in high school. I've never done stand-up. The thought of getting up live on a stage like that and performing up, up until very recently was the most terrifying thing I could imagine. So you get over it. Yeah, well, I, it, I, you have to or you die. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, I've done so many of these shows and stuff that even though that's where it started, that's that's still still sort of where we are. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to make him laugh in the script to get that live reaction. And we used to not even do read through because I wanted the live reaction. I wanted to oh. see how the joke was going to hit. Very Stefan from yeah, SNL. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to see how it was going to hit live. So I didn't want that. I wanted his genuine reaction. Uh, and then in the edit, he would do the edit, but I wouldn't get to see the edit until it was live. Oh, great. Yeah. So, so you're both I would be kind like, of messing with each other in a exactly, in way. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the two of us trying to make each other break. You know? <laughs> are you are you guys old friends? Like old, old friends? Like, yeah, I mean, we, we used to work together at two or three different companies. We both come from retail mostly. Well, yeah. Uh, so what did you retail and where, what uh, kind of places did you work retail? We, he and I met when we were working at, if you're from new England, actually, if you're from yeah. anywhere, I guess this like I'm, there was, there was a place that was called Prince plus. Oh, in, someone's in posters, all the baby posters and custom picture framing. Yep. <laughs> I had a friend that worked at Prince Plus and she'd be like, anything you want, we'll get it. Well, yeah. My entire college apartment was decorated for, with cityscapes from Print Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Lighted art and NASCAR hoods and stuff. All that Hell sort of yeah. yeah. Oh, that's no, you awesome. Walk my, you, work, you walk into my first apartment when it's like couches from the dumpster or chairs from the dumpster, like everything. There's no, there's the food. There's no food except for the food that's rotting in the sink because I haven't yeah. done the dishes. Oh, but the walls are gorgeous. Oh, like gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> that's Paris at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, now, now, now this is going to be very inside baseball, but which, which Prince plus what mall? Well, I worked at several. I worked all over because oh, I really? was also moved around at the time. So Cambridge side Galleria in, mm -hmm. in Massachusetts. I was at the, I, I don't remember what the name of the mall was, but I worked in Boulder, Colorado, Westminster, Colorado. Okay. So you're a uh, traveling guy then. Yeah. 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 I got around. I got oh, okay. around. Because you're back in Greg, New England now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Greg and I met when we were, there's, there were stores in Salem, New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, Con no, it was in Con Nashua, New Hampshire. So we were sort of all making the rounds of those stores and stuff. I, my, I used to work, I, I was, I did mall stuff. I used to work at Foot Locker and, and stuff like that. And my brother ended up going to the Salem Foot Locker. I Salem, New Hampshire. Yeah. He was in the Salem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Foot Locker. Yeah. That's, it, it, it is one of those things where like, whenever somebody starts talking local spots, so you did Prince Plus, were there any other, did you ever work at a Toys R Us? No, I never went. I spent one day, one of my first jobs was I begged, begged, begged 
I was living in Middletown, Rhode Island, and there was a comic shop in Newport called the Annex. It's oh, still yeah. there. It's just not much of a comic shop anymore. It. I begged the owner for months, like, please, like, I need to work here. This would be a dream job. It would be amazing. I would love it. And one day, I think she just got tired of me asking. and was like, okay, you're hired. You start Saturday. And I was like, yes, this is my dream come true. Uh, I go in and she's like, here's how you work the cash register. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what do I have to do? She's like, yeah, you need to work the register. And so this is how you do it. Have you ever made change before? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I was like, wow, this sounds like a job. <laughs> I just wanted to read comics all day. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to stick yeah. around. Every time I come in here, you're reading comics and putting away comics and putting the toys on the shelf. That's all I wanted to do. I don't want to ring the register. She's uh, like, was, you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes like, people buy stuff here. It's yeah. not a museum. And by the end of the day, I was like, I don't think I would, I don't think I want to work here. And she's like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> Real how old were you? Yeah, it was one day, 15, maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sort of when like you're like, I was 30. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> I was a I was a customer at that's entertainment for like almost 20 years before I got a job there. And I was still like regularly going there and I was friends with all the people. And I just kept being like, You guys need a guy. Just let me know. And they finally were like, we do need a back issue guy. And I was like, that sounds great. And then my back was like, mm -mm. because and <laughs> yeah. I, I kept the job for several years, but like most of it was me like going up and down, like going low, picking up boxes, being like, oh, I got to yeah, rebuild yeah, the West yeah. Coast Avengers and, and like counting. And it was just inventory. I was doing inventory yep. in the most yep. Sisyphean way for the lowest profit margin right. <laughs> of that store and they were they said they're like look th this was their they were a great store brilliantly run by the way fantastic yes uh, ironically one of the co-hosts of the show i had was the owner of that's entertainment strictly coincidentally but they were like people come here for this back issue area this is a destination people drive hours to come here for that so we have it here 5% of our revenue is from this and it takes right, up right. 30% of our floor space. Make it work. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, all right, let's see what I can do. And yeah, it was never like a whole Sunday and I would, I would make it up to like Batman confidential before I was done. <laughs> and it was like hard work the entire yeah. time. Yeah. I guess next week I'll start at wildcats. Yeah. But yeah, there was, it was like a whole thing. They were like, and then you go back in the, in the warehouse area and there was just, over a million comics. Yep. Good luck. And I was going through my back issues the other day. Like, do I still need these? Am I ever going to read these comics? Am I ever going to do anything with them? It's the collector's fallacy. I tell this to people all the time. We we think that we're accruing value. And what we're doing is recruiting a headache for whoever inherits our stuff when we die. That In that case, it has absolutely nothing to do with value for me. It's no. the, I can't let the nostalgia, the, the nostalgia just as he drinks from the Mac tonight glass. <laughs> Last night, I wore a, a shirt I bought from Ken Reed. It was a extra value meal sale shirt. And I was like, hell, I got nice stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of people complimenting nice that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's all crap. Sure, yeah. It's, yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the, I'm actually the same way. I had to pair off my collection. And that's actually something that I do want to talk to you specifically about. Before we do that, just as a heads up, I'm going to read off a couple of producers' names. There's people that that pay to produce. And and we've got about uh, 20 names or so to read off. And we're going to thank those people. And uh, they might have some questions. Who knows? So I would like to give an absolute shout out to Carson. Shout out to Mr. Billy Beck. Shout out to the 2B Terror Bunny says support workers, egg Bob Iger. 
do it, folks. Officially supported there. Shout out to Justin Wood, Bart Fartigan, Dan Adams, Ski World's humblest man, Norm from Cheers, Dan Hackroyd, Mind Freak 555 says, Stop Cop City. Agreed. Eat and die, the Goonies. I famously hate the Goonies. Is there a, I know, I know. And I saw it at the right age too. I don't hate it, but I'm not a Goonies guy. Okay. Is there a reason why? I, I did, it just, I just never connected with it as a kid. Like right? I saw it and was just like, okay, I'm going to go watch Karate Kid. And you, <laughs> and you look at that movie and you look who's I think, involved. I think Sloth, I think Sloth scared me. He's jarring. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was like seven or eight when I saw it and I was like, eh. And everybody's like, this is the most formative movie I've ever seen. It's like, I don't know, man. Aren't they taking that monster home? It's going to be a weird story later. Check out this month's Nerd with Dre and Jeff. This month, we are going to be covering adventures in babysitting as we continue our season on childhood neglect. That's the season of Nerd we're doing. Childhood movie neglect. I, movie I've never seen. Uh, adventure, you've never seen Adventures in Babysitting? Nope. Dan? You got to see it. I do. I know. <laughs> Watch it with a significant other. <clears throat> Enjoy the time. Shout out to watch me use these prehensile nipples to pick up pennies off the floor. You'll notice things are very different in the producer uh, area here. Shout out to the oatmeal savage. Some Shout out to some guy I hate named Sean. The wandering jolly holly unpierced left nipple of the Christmas fool. Sure. Each and die Grand Canyon. You ever been? No, flown over it many times. Yeah. Do you want Does that to count? Does that count? No. Technically, I've been. Nope. No. No. Ten thousand feet. That's the difference. Very going to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Nah. I guess. Same. I. You know, I saw it from ten thousand feet. It's really cool. The pictures are cool. I, what, I don't know what you do when you get there. What do you do when you get there? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because people will be like, "You got to go to see it." I'll be like, "I have a feeling I'm just going to be like, yeah, just like the photos." Like they're like, but you really got to take it in. Can the photos can't communicate the majesty <laughs> sure yeah yeah and that's all well and good but you know there's lots of things that can't be commuted through a photograph that are also i'm not going to experience so I'm in manchester new hampshire right now debating whether or not i want to go to new york city on tuesday and i'm like oh, it's such a it's such a trip it's so i gotta go it's like five what, hours what's in new york city on tuesday there's a screening of onyx the fortuitous of course Okay. With, and so uh, you're Andrew like, <laughs> you're like, I got to get there. Andrew Bowser is going to be there. We've been speaking with him about projects that we have coming up in the future. Potentially there's a, there's a, a Q and a with Griffin Newman and just, just some people that are going to be in a place uh, all in the same place at the same time that I wouldn't mind hanging out with for a little bit. You should go. No, I should. I absolutely should. Yeah, uh, that's go. not in question. It's the, it's the travel. It's the trip. It's like I could from go. Manchester. That's going to be what? Three and a half hours. It's like five hours, honestly. Is it five hours to get there from traffic. There? You can't get through Connecticut anymore. Connecticut is just a parking. Is lot. it gotten bad? It's yeah. a parking lot. Yeah. One time I did. I had shows one night in Portland and then the next night in Philly, mm. and I had to drive from Portland, Maine, to Philadelphia, and that was a nine-hour drive. Mm. Not my best day. Yeah. Um, to do that, but I did get to stop at Friendly's, so I was. Very happy about that. Yeah. New York for me is usually like drive to Stamford, Connecticut, and then take the train in. So you don't yeah. want to take your car into Manhattan or anything. <laughs> That's not so. a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, you could even probably, you wouldn't even have to go. So I guess Stamford is the the sort of spot you go to, right? Like Hartford. Yeah. And then it's, and then it's like a 45 minute train ride in. 
Yeah, that's not so bad. It's I get that so some bad. sometimes too, where it's like, do I want to go to San Diego today? I don't know. Why not? Yeah, that, I'm actually very happy to be in LA that I just went to the Surf Ninja's 30th anniversary with Nick Cowan and Ernie Reyes in a okay. video yeah, yeah. rental <laughs> shop in Burbank and they signed a VHS for me. It was a five minute drive. Nice. It was great. Uh, let's see who wins in the what if crossover we truly deserve. Doo doo suit Bruce versus doo doo suit Logan. And that is a reference to the beautiful brown suit that Bruce Wayne wears in Batman the Animated uh, Series gotcha. that we refer to as the doo doo suit. Shout out to the producer formerly known as the ghost of Dave Thomas. And Aldo Vargas is a couple months behind on his podcasts, but he'll hear this one eventually. So shout out to all those very important messages that we got relayed. If you want to become a patron and uh, be a producer, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May, where you can get access, early access to uncensored episodes, bonus content, blah, 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 blah. You know, you have what I'm going to assume is a house, right? Do you have, have a house? residence? You have a residence. Okay. You have space. <laughs> Do you have a significant other? Yes. A wife. Yes. Okay. My wife. Get it? That's from a movie I saw. One. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, that movie. Is collecting, does that become, I mean, obviously it helps pay the bills, right? Or at least someone like, else's bills, not my bills. <laughs> but establishing like that you live in this world and, and being mired in it and stuff like that. Like, has it ever created it, bristling in really? Because I've had experiences where I've collected and it was like, do you really need all this stuff? Like, has your so collecting I, I, shifted or anything? With with my current with my current wife, my only wife, it it probably was issues with ex girlfriend. Ex girlfriend probably yeah. wasn't super crazy about it, but wife, my current wife, Kate. I don't know why I keep saying that. She's just my wife. <laughs> it does feel very current like, wife. Your current like, wife. Yeah. Let it be known. <laughs> Which is even funny. Today's her birthday, so I hope she doesn't hear the show ever. <laughs> she can sign uh, on patreon.com slash Jeff May for early access to unsuited episodes. Her her relationship that she was in right before me also a collector so, so she like, already it would already been normalized yeah, yeah yeah somebody did the work for me ahead of time so that was great <laughs> it's it's funny because when that happens you'd be like wow someone had a type yeah right <laughs> i remember but i, I, I have a... always been extremely cognizant of the there's a very fine line between collecting and addiction mm. and my father spent the last 45 years in alcoholics anonymous and so i grew grew up with those sort of addictive principles just sort of always floating around. Uh, and so I've always tried to be very careful with self-analysis and say, oh, I, I'm having trouble paying my rent. I'm having trouble paying my bills. Is that my fault? <laughs> did I? Did How I many that? toys do I have? While is this I'm society? Is this capitalism's fault? Or is it all the stuff that I've been buying and spending my money on instead of just paying the rent? <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. I, I, yeah. I've had this. This was relayed to me when I was younger. And, and it was very specific, which is you can't eat, drive or live in a toy or a great, baseball yes. card or whatever. Because I had sold in college. I I pulled an autographed Mickey Mantle card out of a pack of cards when nice. I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Great. Great. It, it, the card's worth several grand now. I needed to pay rent in college. I had to pay for my apartment. So I sold it for like one hundred and twenty five dollars and it broke my heart. But my dad, who probably could have given me the money to help me out. Sure. Yeah. But he yeah. was just like, you can't live in a baseball card. He's like, why are you collecting these things with value if not to receive value from that card? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that tracked for me, I guess, a little bit. And I've 
tried not to make things precious and then I forget and then they become precious again. And the next thing I know, I have to donate eight long boxes of comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went through a phase of your kid, you have all the toys and then at a certain point you start to grow out of it. Uh, and even I hit some of that where like my collection basically fit in like a gallon Ziploc bag. Like that's yeah. all I really had left. Uh, and then new stuff came out that was interesting. I have a younger brother who's 10 years younger than me. So I was sort of living vicariously through him as all the Ninja Turtles were coming out in the 90s and that era of G.I. Joe, that area of Transformers. So I was keeping abreast of what the advancements were yeah. in paint decos on five point action figures, yeah. that sort of thing. You're really uh, your finger on the on the pulse. Yeah, I was keeping yeah. an eye on everything. And so I, I never lost the love and interest for action figures, especially as they sort of turned that corner in the in the mid to late 90s. McFarlane got in the game. Star Wars came back. And then all of a sudden stuff started getting really good and they yeah. started delivering on all this stuff that I had dreamed about getting as a kid. Those early Star Wars figures, Spider-Man legends, all that, with stuff, all the articulation yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm eyeballs deep in resident evil on the PlayStation. And all of a sudden they're bringing out resident evil action figures. And I was just like, ah, I need more money. And they looked great too. <laughs> the toy biz ones weren't great. If we're going to get specific about that, the Palisades ones were pretty good. Yeah. Palisades was, they did that. Yeah, they had the fantastic. Muppet license and they nailed it. Yes. When they did. There's yes. the Palisades Muppet stuff was still top tier yeah. stuff. Just, still top just tier. like anything that looks hard plastic, but you look at it and you're like, that looks like it's made of felt. Yeah. Is, yeah. is pretty great. I remember they got really, they used to have a really good relationship with Toy Fair, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Wizard Magazine. That's part of why I was at Wizard World Philly because they had an exclusive and we had to get it. <laughs> which, which exclusive was it? I don't remember if it was the animal. It might have been Rolf in the tuxedo. I don't remember which one it was yeah. or one of the Gonzos. Yeah, there were uh, yeah, Wizard, Wizard World, World at the time, yeah. which is now essentially Fan Expo. Fan yeah, Expo yeah. has become the new yeah. Wizard World. But they would do these exclusives where you would show up and they'd be like, and you can get this Galactus Hero Clicks. It's selling for $400. And you're like, I got to have that. I pay it for I pay 150. I can sell it for 400. Let's do it. Done. Did you did you flip a lot of your stuff or did you dump it when you so it, so you're a kid you have your stuff you grow up you grow out of it things turn a corner and then at a certain point I, I so we're talking like early 2000s I got this idea in my head that I was like oh maybe someday I'm gonna write a book maybe someday I'm gonna get into like I'm gonna be a toy historian and I want to have this sort of archive of all these toys this is how I was sort of rationalizing my collection to myself it's inventory I need to have, yeah. yeah I need to have every Captain America that's ever been made so that I'll be able to compare them one against the other in the volumes of texts that I'm going to write as academic studies about these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was just sort of an abstract thing in my mind that I would use to justify it. Uh, and then, yeah, you're in a relationship, you move out, you move in together and bills get tight and that sort of thing. And you go, oh, hey, I'm actually sitting on some pretty valuable stuff at this point uh, after having collected through like 08, 09, 2010, getting into the early teens. And uh, I sold off probably half the stuff I had. What kind of stuff uh, was that? A lot of a lot of what I saw, actually uh, regretfully quite a few of those Palisades Resident Evil figures that I loved. Quite a few of the Palisades Muppets. Lots of like Fisher Price Adventure People and Gundam Mobile Suit in Action. Those early like Bandai Gundam yeah. figures, all that kind of stuff. And even a lot of stuff from my childhood. A lot of GI Joe and Transformers and things. Things that I had. My younger brother grew out of toys, so I got all his stuff. Sold off all his things. And I had just between like yeah. I, I graduated from college in '98, so between '98 and let's say that ten year period, '98. 
2008. I had bought like everything that came out. Like, you know, you, you remember how it was like KB toys, three for 10, three for 10. Oh yeah. They were thing that's in the bin three for 10. I'll take them. Yeah. Three for yeah. 10. That's practically free. <laughs> the, those like late GI Joe holiday. That they would bring back out and they'd be like, Hey, we found a manimal sir. Yeah. 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 Yeah, huh. everything like you something would pop up new and you'd be like, I'm going to wait two weeks. That'll be in the three for 10 bin. All, all the Power Rangers stuff that was out, Superhuman Samurai, Cyber Squad, the third, fifth, fourth generation of, of Power yeah. Rangers, whatever. It was just like, yeah. I was just scooping up everything. Late and, run Ronin Warriors. Yep, all of it. And and in the meantime, in college, I had met, I, I'd fallen in with a group who was who was frequenting flea markets and yard sales. <laughs> and we were just so just, fun. Because man, that is that addictive. We're like you're you're paying full price for stuff over here, but then you're like, at the time you're getting like, oh, I can get this whole table of GI Joe stuff for eight bucks. <laughs> Finding good, good hits at yeah. yard sales, like it That's happens every once in a while, and when it That's does, you're like, oh sh. My friend Jason Van Glass, when he he used to, he knows how to collect. Like he just knows how to do it. He's one of those people that's that can be very specific about what he buys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one time he was yard sailing because he used to yard sale all the time. And this guy and his girlfriend broke up and they used to be case hunters for Ninja Turtles. Anytime okay. a new Ninja Turtle Oof. would come out, they would just buy the okay. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so they would have these like un uncirculated yeah. basically. Yeah. Ninja Turtles, and and so he got them for two fifty a piece at a yard sale, and it was like hot spot scratch, and they were like perfect, like the grailest of grails. Yeah. Action figures worth ten, fifteen thousand dollars in good condition, and he's just like, yeah, I got them for two fifty at a yard sale, and two dollars and fifty cents or two hundred fifty, two dollars and fifty. Either way, it's incredible. The couple yeah. broke up. And they just were like, they were purging everything at a yard yeah. sale. And he happened to be the guy that walked uh, oh, in to see, see it. I and see. he bought I gotcha. everything. I gotcha. So after so after I I basically purged yep. half or maybe even more than half of my collection to pay bills and, and, and keep ourselves, what that did was that taught me how to do that as a business. That's when I really got the sense of the nuances of how much is this little blaster worth? How much is this sword worth? How much is this Gundam worth? How much is this worth? And so we were already going to yard sales and flea markets and auctions and all that stuff. But then you sort of shift that mindset of like, okay, now I'm a dealer and I'm just scooping up all this stuff. And it becomes like, okay, well, I got to get the lowest price because I need the max profit on the other end. I'm making my money on the purchase not on the sale. So as the, the less I can invest in this, the more I can make on the back end. And that, that was fun. Like I, I, I could easily get addicted to and just sucked into haggling like for, for anything, like I'll just haggle over anything. Cause it's just fun to have. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Know? It is like a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, I I'm very competitive. So that is like a game to me. And so I would just be walking into this flea market and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm armed and ready to go. Who wants to play? Oh, all right. There's some toys. Let's go. I know you, I know your methods. I know your pricing. Let's see. Let's, let's step into the ring and see what happens. It's just fun. It really is. I do miss that, yeah. that aspect of like the yard sailing and, and everything like that. I, so I spent, I spent several years doing that. Like that was my job full time. Uh, I was just selling on eBay, selling on Craigslist. I was renting out some shop space from the local comic shops in, in New Hampshire, setting up at Granite Con and, and all those other conventions, okay. Massive Con, all these sorts of things. And that it's, it's funny looking back on it now, that is what sort of fueled starting the channel. Because I just, I just had all, all of this trivial knowledge 
about all these toys from the last 30 years, just in my brain at that point on total recall, instant recall whenever I needed it. And so when Greg and I were sitting around talking about like, we should start a YouTube channel. I was like, all right, I will, I, I have all of the information. I, yeah. I, I can no longer contain it within me. <laughs> I have to let it out. <laughs> I, I've always said it's like, it's worthless knowledge until you make it worth something. Right, and right. I've always like with the game show, for example, like I, I, I tell myself like, oh, I, I got lucky. I ended up on this game show and I won all this money. Right. And then I thought about it. And I was like, or I set myself up to be the exact person to succeed on this specific kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. I moved myself into the right city to get seen by these like we acquired skill. It's it's like playing King's Quest. You're like, you're picking up stuff. You're like, I have no idea what this is going to be for. And then many, many hours down the line, something shows up and you're like, oh my God, I'm using the thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so then when did the show, when did the, the network start? When did Toy Galaxy? Uh, so we kicked off in 2015. I think our first video was posted April 5th, somewhere around there. And uh, yeah, we shot, <laughs> we talked about it. What are we, what are we going to do? And, and I was dealing, I was a toy dealer at the time. So I was like, well, we should do something with toys. We, we took a look at YouTube and saw what the field looked like, what was working, what wasn't working, who, who had style that we liked and didn't like, how could we make ourselves different? Like the, the toy review and any go into anything, technology review, whatever. How do you get an edge? How do you differentiate yourself from a field of the new iPhone is out? Yeah. Here's my review. Like, okay, well, somebody's going to be first. That does, that's not a guarantee. And how much did you have to spend to be first? What did you have to do? What did you have to compromise just to get that thing first? You can't sustain that, right? Like yeah. I could pay $50 for the latest $20 figure that came out on eBay to make sure I've got it first to review it, but I'm not, not going to make that money back in the end. And no. that's dumb. <laughs> so what we decided was, okay, we need to make an entertaining show. So that after every after you go watch every other toy reviewer's review of that Spider-Man figure, you're still going to say, well, what does Dan think of it? What does Dan have to say about this figure? Even if we're the last one, you would still come watch us. That's what it we're is, shooting for. It is interesting when you look at who is creating, because they always say what the, the enemy of success is perfection, right? Like if you want to make something perfect, you never will. So you're never you're going to be stalled for your entire mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It is funny, though, when you do that research, because I've done similar things and you find out that there are people that are very successful with no personality. Yeah. If you bring personality to this, what more can you get out of it? And I I do feel like that's what you have done. It is the reason that I'm watching your shit and not other people's. Like, I don't I only have so much spare time. They're like, let's be honest, you make a digestible show. You make a show that I can watch when I wake up in the morning because I, I wake up and my version of coffee is slamming back a five hour energy to destroy my heart because sure, I don't sure. like the yeah, taste yeah. of coffee. Yeah. And and I'll watch something to wake me up. And it's something like that. It's a, it's a digestible 11 to 20 minute video of something that I want to know more about or that something I want to support. Yeah. And, and we're working at a couple of different levels there as far as why I think the secrets of our success, if I had to try to quantify it. One part of it is it's just Greg and I, and we have always, always tried to produce the show. We've joked about the fact that if you turned the camera off, we would still be sitting in my living room 
making these jokes and talking about this stuff. <clears throat> so I think putting that into the show gives the whole show that feeling of, oh, it's just, this is just people talking, making jokes, having fun. And that is, that is welcoming to an audience. So you don't feel like you're on the outside. You feel like you're on the inside. The character, Dan Larson, that's on the show, when I'm writing, especially early on, not as much, not so much uh, anymore, but the character was always, oh, shit, the reports due today. I forgot. <laughs> was that that's the energy that you brought in? That's the energy I wanted to bring to it. That's that's just sort of how it naturally naturally uh, evolved uh, in the writing. And, and it worked. And and what that allowed me to do was to be able to brush off some of the the stress and anxiety about like, oh, what if I say this name wrong? What if I get this fact a little wrong? What if I would, what if we leave something out? What if we forget a major detail or whatever? It's like, it doesn't matter. The energy of this show is like chaos. It's last second. It's, it's fun because the character that I, I am reading the script as, that's the guy I'm playing. The asides is who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to sort of tag yourself in, in a way, deliver I, that information. Right. Right. God, that's fun. Yeah, it yeah, is. But really... that's just sort of how it evolved. You, you've got your on-air personality and your off-air personality. And it's like, where's the line between the two? Ah, it's hard to say. There's not much of a line on my end. Okay. To be 100% <laughs> honest. Like, there, there isn't. I mean, I guess when, it, when I worked for the other company, I had to be, because we were essentially doing home shopping network for statues and and hot toys so yeah. then you have to be like hey everybody it's like i had to be really peppy yeah you're a salesperson yeah which yep. is actually why the, here's the bit that i think people have picked up but i always introduce the show poorly as a bit because i hated doing the high energy hey everybody welcome to another glorious episode of this show and i i really didn't like that so i started to do it where i would like Sorry if I'm ruining the illusion for everyone. Purposefully flub the introduction and just be like, God, I hate doing these things. I don't know what like that. I guess that's technically part of the voice that I bring to it. But really, I just I like being a fan of my friends. Sure. Like sure. I like now you've done stand up, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's why I moved out here. It's why I retired yeah. from teaching. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The performance. <laughs> What's that? You were a teacher. Dude, I was a teacher for 10 years. And oh my goodness. Talk I about putting a face on every day. <laughs> Dude, I mean, to be fair, I was pretty direct as who I was too. Like, although I wore a suit every day and that's probably not my energy in case you couldn't tell by what I'm bringing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that you didn't strangle anyone to death every day, that's... <laughs> Dude, I gotta be honest. It was really easy for me okay. specifically. I taught eighth grade, which you would naturally be like, Oh my God. But I was also an athlete at the time. Cause I was a boxer mm -hmm. and they knew that. So like okay. the jocks really liked that. I was a young man in his twenties. So the girls liked me by default. And I was also a huge nerd. I had like uh, a Humberto Ramos Spider-Man poster up. Uh, I had like David Mack right. watercolors up in my room. Like my room was decorated like a nerd. And so people got it. They like the nerds like me. The So I had more like, older brother energy okay so yeah, it made yeah. it easier gotcha but gotcha. so and i actually weirdly enough i ran the i was a coach i coached soccer but i also was i ran the comic book club and we had a table at granite con a couple times nice. <laughs> and we would use the money to buy graphic novels for our school's library that that we made so we dude we did raffles and we would do like i would often raffle stuff off out of my collection, like, oh, this Marvel Legends gold Iron Man variants or whatever. 
we ended up raffling off. I got donations from friends of mine that were artists and I, we raffled off a original Scotty young sketch cover of wizard of Oz and an original art wow. Adam sketch. Oof. And they did not go for a lot because people didn't understand why those were so valuable. So it was interesting. Somebody got a yes. really good deal on it. Scotty. I was going to say, I, I would, I would bid that art Adams up. <laughs> I ended up buying it I because it was a silent auction and I was just like, well, look, I'll I'll pay for it if it's sure. and I think I ended up getting it for like forty dollars, which is an original. It's like a dinosaur sketch by Art Adams. Yeah. Wow. Forty dollars. Wow. But yeah, so like that. But that performance aspect, you're right. You do put on a bit of a face. I, I tend to be. I guess maybe aggressively authentic, which isn't always good for me early on. It's funny. I I made two conscious decisions very early on because uh, YouTube, the internet can be a very scary place and parasocial relationships and all that stuff. People don't respect boundaries. Some people just don't even understand that they exist. Especially <laughs> in, in our world, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. And I made two conscious decisions. One, I was going to use my real name. Everybody else has got their screen names, their avatar names, their whatever, the, uh, that that mask they can put yeah, on. Your, your pixel like, dance, as opposed yeah, to whatever Robo from Foosh, Meebs, yeah. all, all that stuff. The amazing. It's like, you know, that's, that's not their real names. And I was like, no, no, no I want to use my real name because call it ego, call it whatever. If I'm going to have any legacy in this world, I want my name to be out there. I want my name to be on this. And I think that helps sells the genuine nature of it. My name is on this. That's who I am. If you say yeah. Dan Larson at the convention, you're talking to Dan Larson. And then secondly, I'm actually like very private. <laughs> And I don't really? want to reveal yeah. anything that I don't have to reveal about. I, I, I want to keep the real me secret because we aren't friends. This mm -hmm. isn't a parasocial relationship. And while I want you to feel welcome and invited into the show and to be part of this community of secret galaxy, if you see me at a convention, we aren't friends <laughs> because you yeah. don't actually know the real me. And I want to be able to keep those things separate. That is interesting. It is interesting that you made that because I think I I go that might be the one of the most divergent things is I'm very open and and also to the point where like that's probably a problem. It's probably a mistake that when if people will message me and I'll be very open and honest and I'll but also I don't I'm not where you are as far as like visibility. Yeah, concerned. so You've got it's like three hundred and eighty seven thousand <laughs> subscribers on YouTube. So that comic shop that I worked at for one day when I. I was in college. When I graduated from college, I started working at a, a small press printing company. I was the only person there. The The entire staff was like over 40 old people. And I was fresh out of college at 20. Just here, I was famous teaching, yeah, by the way. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was the only person who knew how to like work the computer. And at the time it was Adobe PageMaker. And so that was what I was bringing to the, the thing, having just worked at the campus newspaper for, for four years. I had, I had operated a digital camera, so I was basically from the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, you were, yeah. They were, they were all like cavemen uh, when you came in because you're like, and this yeah. is fire. Well, one of the reasons I worked at this printing company was that I wanted to make my own comic books and I figured I'm going to, I want to self-publish. And so if I can work at the place, then I can learn the other pieces of this puzzle that I don't know yet and also hopefully get a break on, on printing my books. And so after the first year, the guy that owned the shop, he ran his price and was like, this is, if you, if you bring in some guys, buy them a pizza or whatever, you can come in late at night after the shop is closed. If you want to collate your own books, staple your own books, really? your own books. Yeah. yeah oh, that's so like, if, cool. I'll, I'll just cross all this labor off the price. I'll give you the 10% deduction papers at cost or whatever. I got to make a little money. And I was like, I get it. 
but uh, yeah, we did my first run of a thousand books with, I paid for it in pizza <laughs> for my friends. Were you the uh, writer and, and artist? Uh, writing was kind of a, a co-op sort of thing, but ultimately I would say I, he and I did story. I wrote it, I drew it, I lettered it and then really? did everything. And so I took it to that comic shop and was like, Hey, remember me? I'm here every, I'm here every Friday or Wednesday, whatever new comics book comics day was at the time. I think it was Friday at the time. Uh, I don't know if it shifted or maybe it wasn't, who knows? I don't know. But I was like, Hey, can I sell my book here? Can I, can I put my book here? And it was like, maybe. And even at the time I had this sort of sense of like, you don't know my name now, but you're going to know my name someday. You'll know me. So get in on the ground level. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to want like, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, how long do I have to hold on to this book before people are going to know your name? <laughs> maybe 15 years, maybe 20 years, but someday you'll be glad you bought these books. <laughs> what was the book about? Now I'm, I'm fascinated by this, by the way, because what, what it, because I also wanted to do that. I have, I actually have a friend who a new England guy who worked at a printing place and that's how we printed out his comic. Yeah. So yeah. I have a, so, very, I, that seems pretty common hey you've you've heard all the stories about eastman and laird oh yeah and and the tick and how the and ben enlin how those guys got started it was the age of you got to make it yourself and then you got to hit the streets and you got to go door to door and you got to sell that book yourself and that's what we did we printed up that first issue we got and and my friend and i joe parham we we made a tour of New England comic shops. We went to New England comics in Massachusetts where the Ninja Turtles or with the tick or with the tick and all that stuff. You know what's funny? I went there for the first time in February. Oh, that's after because okay. we did an episode of Nerd about the tick comic. Yep. yep. And which Ben Edlin listened to, which is insane to me. <laughs> that's and like, always weird. Quote tweeted it and was like, this is a really good show. We, and, we got to a certain point with the growth of our channel where it was like, okay, I'm writing this thing and this actor might see this, this, this writer this, might comment yeah. this. And it was like, that's intimidating. Yeah. I went to there. I went to the Brockton New England comics and I'd never been there before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, the energy, first off, it, it was like, the energy was way different than I was expecting. Cause yeah, I yeah. had never been to Brockton before, but I got in there. I was like, this is different. Yeah, (laughs) this is is not what I was expecting for the birthplace of the tick, but I loved it. I loved every ounce of it. I loved (laughs) it. It was sort of like it almost looked like an old Walden software that got converted into a large comic. Like it had like mall store energy, even though it was a mall. And I really did like it. I liked the guy who was like the manager was the colorist of the chromatic. He was just like one of the guys that was there on the ground floor. And he's just like telling me all these stories. Like, yeah, I drew these little backup stories and stuff. And he like, he took me out back and he's like, this here, this is the first tick merch. It was buttons here. You want it? (laughs) And like, you want to buy this virgin cover of the tick number eight? Here's the price that it was in 1996. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. I didn't, but I do now. I was like, I sure do. (laughs) I really, really do. Yeah. But yeah, so you did the the whole drive up tour, the the yeah East yeah we went around style, to like, yeah we went around to 10, 12, 15 comic shops in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, no sort of go area. to that entertainment. Not, I don't think we hit that one at the time. I think that one might have been just outside of our range. No, the biggest, uh, the yeah. biggest comic book store yeah, in just outside of our range. Hey, in look, we England. weren't smart. <laughs> the <laughs> the <laughs> the destination comic book store in New England. Yeah, just yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, no, not that one. No, <laughs> all the others, all the others. <laughs> Dude, it was so, for some reason, I don't know why, and, and not to go off too much of a tangent, but I worked on Sundays and apparently Sunday was dudes from upstate New York day 
because we would get every Sunday, like three to five different people from like Albany and Schenectady that were just like, I need these books. And you guys are the only ones that'll have it. And this was like 2011. I'm like, dude, the internet is a thing. <laughs> you could have just ordered these. <laughs> like you can get these. So you were, you were a, an artist, writer, creator. You made a comic. Uh, I, I mean, unfortunately it did not take off. So I moved to Colorado and then we, I got issue two printed. A friend of mine started up a, a print on demand. One of the first print on demand comics places called comics press, not to be confused with comics press. It was comics press. Of course, so I think not comics press, press and comics, comics press. press. Yeah. And it was basically send files. They print the book. They send you your books. You get black and white color, whatever. And we printed up the second issue, thousand copies of those 500 or a thousand. I can't remember either way. It was too many, certainly more than we needed. And uh, Issue three, I got about halfway through and then life takes over yeah. and you go, okay, well, and, and at the time, I mean, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about 1998 through 2000, basically. Great time to make comics. The making the comics wasn't so bad. It was the, how do you promote it? And so these new tools, the tools that, that exist now, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tum, uh, what all the, all these social yeah. media platforms that make it easier to promote to a wide audience around the world didn't exist. So it was, Hey, my friend who also just recently graduated college and is a programmer who can build me a website. Can you build me a website? I, I can't, I don't have that skill and I don't have the time to learn that skill. I got to sell my books somehow. Yeah. And so very didn't sell really any books through the website. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's when you start you... to make that transition to digital comics. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming too, you have to beat feed at a lot of cons that too, to, yeah. to get yeah. that that sort of push when you look at well, like, and even today, you know, you've, you've walked through your share of artists alleys oh, uh, or ran through your share of artists alleys. Cause you don't want to make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> yeah. I try <laughs> to be very bad. like, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah not for me. But, and I, that I do need to be more have the blinders on because artist alley, you, it feels like Carney row sometimes. And like, first off, Shout out to anybody who anybody goes who's through the process it. of this freaking hard, the work to get a, your, to get your first or second or third comic done. Like people have it streamlined for like Marvel where they're like, we, you get a script every three weeks or something like that. Like we're banking, we're doing these things and we're getting a comic put published monthly. It is. I mean, how long did it take for you to make that first book? It, it must've been months, probably a year. Yeah. yeah. Probably a year. And so somebody that invests a year of their time and they're like begging for your eyes. And it is like one of those things you're like, I want to help you, but this is awful. And, and it's not even that for me. Word. It's I want, I want to help you, but there's 50 people here. There yeah. are 50 other booths and I can't help you all. And I certainly can't take the time to sit here and go through everyone's books. And what I will say about current, this current state of artist alleys in, in comic conventions, major or minor, is that most of those people shouldn't be there. The only the only criteria for entry is that you paid for the, paid table. For the table. Yeah, that's it. the I remember there was like this one guy that had just these terrible drawings on computer paper and he was like asking me for feedback. And I didn't know if it, it felt like undercover boss. It felt oh. like some <laughs> kind of like prank. <laughs> where somebody was doing art so poorly and they're asking yeah, you for yeah. your honest opinion. And so I was like, he, he asked me for his honest opinion. I was like, man, my honest opinion is I'm so happy for you that you're doing this. Mm. Cause I was like, I didn't know what to say. Cause it was 
just really bad, bad form, bad drawing. You know, the coloring looked like it was done with like Crayola marker, like just bad. And I felt so guilty being faced with the choice of having yeah, to do that. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of conventions, because I, you know, I could talk to you for two hours. Of course, yes, yes. Life has to continue. Um, most recently, you actually were a host of PulseCon from Hasbro, which is really got to be a cool thing to get pulled in to do to get like real sally field you like me energy of being tapped to do that how does that how did that happen they they literally just reached out and said hey do you want to do this and i said sure really <laughs> it was that simple it's just now, that easy like you were saying previously with the game show it's like well what did it take what did I have to invest before they said, Hey, do you want to do this? Well, I did my show for eight years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. Know? That's all I had to do was 728 episodes on YouTube showing a progressive improvement of my writing, hosting and you know, delivery abilities. Uh, that's all it took. <laughs> yeah. You, th that's fun stuff. How, how long of a, of a, of a work, work experience was that getting, getting for PulseCon? <laughs> Because like, here's the thing is like comic cons are comic cons and they're very sort of like, oh, this is a thing it's happening this weekend. And then we're going to coast off of that for a year. Yeah. Hasbro is such a big company synonymous. I mean, it is one of the two main names of toys. Yeah. If it's not Mattel, it's Hasbro. If it's not Hasbro, it's Mattel. Like, were you like nervous about that? Or were you like, well, look, I clearly have been doing this for long enough that they're they know what they want and they know what they're getting. So I'm going to start the story the way an old person would start it. When I was in high school, a friend of mine and I, actually the co-writer of the, the comics that we published the two issues of and shopped around New England, we ran for class president and vice president for senior year. We had never been involved in class politics. We didn't want anything to do with it. It was basically like we were living in a sitcom and we're like, let's just do it. Let's, we should see if It'll we can funny, win. Right? Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny if people voted for us? And we ran this smear campaign against these two smart, dedicated <laughs> ladies who had dedicated every extra minute of their time since we had gotten to high school to to arranging events and volunteering and helping people. Just the and best All people. this stuff. <laughs> Just the <laughs> nicest. They were the people who sh should be voting for. They could have left a legacy. They could have improved our school. They could have done all that stuff. But, but, but the problem was junior prom tickets had been very expensive. And so we were like, that's our angle. We're going to get up on stage and we're going to talk about the travesty of how expensive junior prom tickets were. And we're going to run on a platform of senior prom tickets being only $1. And we didn't know how that was going to work. We didn't have a plan to make that happen, but it sounded good. <laughs> sure did. And we won. And so there's always been this part of me that feels like I'm living in a sitcom, right? Like I assume and call it the the white man's fallacy, the overconfidence of being a white man in, in, in America. But I have this assumption that of course I can do this thing. Of course yeah. I'm capable. Of I'm doing the this. main character. <laughs> always. And then when I get in, I go, Oh, shit. what happened? Like, yeah. how did I get here? <laughs> what is how do I do this? What am I going to do? And and that's as honest as I can be with you about all of that stuff. And there wasn't that degree of PulseCon because, uh, again, I had already built this foundation of hosting the show and writing and, and being confident. But it's still a different audience. It's a much larger audience. And it's it's a different thing when they say, 
oh, it's taped live versus it's live live. And so PulseCon was live live. Uh -huh. And like, that's a different thing. And I go, okay, well, we've done live streams. We can pull 1,500, 2,000 people on a live stream. What's Hasbro going to pull? 15,000, 20,000. Well, is that really that many people? Yeah. We have over 300,000 subscribers on our channel. Our videos regularly do over 100,000 views. It's different when those people are in the room. And it's different when those words are actively coming out of your mouth. You know, you don't have that. You don't have a dump button, <laughs> right? I, yeah. I don't have Greg to catch me and say, oh, you know, just clean that up. You know, <laughs> I, I think there's something about live performance, though, that allows you like once you stop treating it as being something very precious. And you start to be able to move with the flow of live performances and that a gaffe isn't the end of the world. Sure. Then it becomes actually better and i think that you're incorporating those things into your show like you you put those little goofs in the show and and that adds a, a little seasoning into it where it was already good and that makes it just a little bit extra and yeah. that's really great so so hasbro PulseCon, for those of you that are, are not aware it's basically their version of like an online comic-con it basically, yeah. It, it grew out of the pandemic when everybody had to, they still needed to showcase all this stuff, but Toy yeah. Fair wasn't happening. New York Comic Con wasn't happening. San Diego Comic Con wasn't happening. It was like, well, we still need to promote these yeah. items. We so. still have Transformers to sell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Got a lot of plastic we need to move. Yeah. And so they just started doing their own live streaming. And it, it was an interesting study from a marketing perspective of how these companies were able to take that control back and they weren't reliant on like, oh, we have to invest this money and time and resources in San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con and whatever. It's like, we can just throw live streams up like every other Friday. <laughs> yeah, there, you know? there's uh, the, the former company I worked for pulled out of Comic-Con yeah. and they were the centerpiece of Comic-Con. Sure, sure. And, yeah. and by by leaving and they were like, well, we're, we don't need them. We're, we're huge. We're big. And I was like, yeah, but wasn't that because of Comic-Con? Like, wasn't that part of the it? world changed the world yeah. changed Every, very like quickly that, those shifts i mean to your benefit in multiple sure. ways yeah. the world changing if i didn't if the pandemic didn't happen because i never i avoided the youtube k-hole like i avoided going down a youtube hole until the pandemic hit and i was like i'm not commuting i'm i'm not i'm all of the time that i used to spend is now available what do I do? Well, I'll just start watching these. So like, I'm assuming you guys shot up big time during the pandemic. It took us, it took us, I think it was four years to get our first hundred thousand subscribers. And that was our goal. We had planned it that way. And so we were very excited when we actually were able to execute that. Uh, because we we looked at when we, when we surveyed all the other channels, it seemed like it had taken them around eight years to get to a hundred thousand subscribers. And we said, we don't have that. So we're, we're too old when we're starting. We need to right. cut that time down. We need to, we need to catch up. Uh, and so it took us like four years to get to our first hundred thousand subscribers. We put up a hundred thousand subscribers in 2021. Yeah. Oh, and I was up. one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think I actually was 2020 now that I think about it. Like I, I was, mean, it was picking up in 2020 because yeah. that's when suddenly everybody was confined. And yeah, it was, it was just this really welcome respite from that reality of and it. And it was, it was like, oh yeah, let's talk about Silverhawks. Like, I remember that show. Let's go for it. Inhumanoids. Or... And, and I've spoken repeatedly about how us continuing to make the show had that effect for us on the other side of it. 
Oh yeah. We were just as insecure and anxious and, and worried about the state of the world and everything else that was going on. But to, to maintain that sense of normalcy throughout it's, it's Monday. I got to write it's Thursday. We got to shoot like that, that helped us get through it. That's awesome. I really, I really like that you had that and and that it it sort of got the push and you got the benefit of more eyes on you as you were maintaining that sanity, which it was, it was really hard for a lot of people. You got paid for PulseCon, but you also walked away with uh, quite a cache of of swag yeah yeah it was nice <laughs> you got you got a lot of plastic you shared it on your instagram i haven't uh, shared all of it yet but yeah but, most of it <laughs> but like so what was your favorite thing that they kind of just threw at you i it's funny because they each of the teams had sort of asked like hey is there anything you're looking for like obviously we're going to give you some stuff some swag some loot is there anything you're actually looking for but because I am who I am and I'm the collector that I am, I pretty much already had everything I was interested in. (laughs) Like, I don't, I'm not going to ask them for duplicates or anything. So I was like, well, this wave isn't out in stores yet. I have it on pre-order. Maybe we can get some of those. I don't know how far out we're looking. Here's one or two pieces from the past, you know, year or so that I missed. Maybe if you've got a sample that lying around, that'd be cool. And so like the Marvel Legends team hooked me up with a few things I had passed on or missed or whatever, just never had the the budget at the time to, to afford. And then Transformers was just like, here's a giant mountain of Transformers. <laughs> Here you go. I remember Thanks. I was at uh, Blast in the Past where I do Mint on Card. And I was a friend of mine from out of town. He's a comic artist and writer named Phil Jimenez. Oh, yeah. And we're walking around and I was showing him the store. I'm like, yeah, this is where we do the show. And he looks up at a Transformer and he goes, oh, I, I drew him. And I was like, oh, you, you drew that character for like a transformer. scene." So he's like, no, I drew the box. Like no. he's like, no, I drew that box <laughs> that right there. Sure. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, you ended up, I think the most recent one you posted was a Spider-Man 2099 in the style of. It's the across of, the Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse yeah. stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. is just great. Isn't it yeah. great that that character made it? Oh, yeah. No, for me, I love, I love uh, Miguel. And the, the old like Rick fan. Yeah. Like I. I think I ran into Rick Leonardi at one point in time at like great. No, I think it was like the Michigan convention yeah. that I went to the motor city. And I was just like, how are you doing? He's like, really good, <laughs> really good right now. Like, like getting some good residuals on trade paperback yeah. sales right now, which has got to be really fun. I follow um, him on uh, Twitter. He's fantastic. He's great. He's absolutely great. You, so I'm going to, we're going to start to like wean you off of here so you can go. Uh, if you are a patron, stick around because we've got a little bonus content coming your way. So Dan, I mean, obviously we have at Toy Galaxy on uh, Instagram is, is that, yeah, I believe it's at Toy Galaxy Dan on, on Twitter, uh, Twitter. Yeah. on X. <laughs> it's Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. Sorry. And you are youtube.com slash toy galaxy TV. I think so. Or at secret know, galaxy. Just, TV. Yeah. Secret Galaxy Cause YouTube introduced those handles. And I think secret galaxy TV is the handle for it, our main channel, secret galaxy. I think if you put in toy galaxy, it takes you to our second channel, which is now currently called Dan Larson. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it enough. used to be, it used to be toy galaxy and toy galaxy two. When we changed toy galaxy to secret galaxy, toy galaxy two didn't make any sense anymore. So we just changed that to Dan Larson. And so Toy Galaxy is more toy reviews because you guys changed it to Secret Galaxy and people were like, why did you do that? And you're like, because we cannot. We won't. We're not. A, we're not a our nut anymore. Yeah, yeah we yeah. won't make our nut if we just do toy. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to work. This is not going to uh, be it. Yeah. So the second channel was more like, OK, let's dump everything else on the second channel. And we had high aspirations for updating that all the time. And and it, we just haven't. 
Now, something very, so just so for those of you that might not be aware, I'm going to give you just a little bit of the hits of the most recent stuff to show you how wide we're looking at the stuff that you cover. Cause this is fascinating. All the stuff that you cover most recently, I'm going to go back like from the, the one that dropped yesterday as of recording to back, we went masters of the universe 2002. So the 2000 X version, we have MacGyver, we have captain EO. Pee-wee's Playhouse, which was obviously very important at the time, especially with the passing of Paul Ruins, Nerf, and the Inhumanoids. That so, Nerf video is a damn funny video, and it is not getting the views. And I'm I'm very angry with everybody. <laughs> I very sometimes funny video. <laughs> sometimes your best work. I get that people. My yeah, yeah. one of the best episodes of this show that has ever been released is an episode with one of my former students who plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, wow. <laughs> and some people did the whole like, well, I don't sports ball. And I was like, do you think that's what that episode is about? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the episode where a teacher and his student talking as adults and one of them has achieved the apex of human condition? Right. Right. You think I'm going to yeah. be like, so what's it like play, catching a football? Yeah, yeah, and they it's the lowest. It's one yeah, of the lowest through the playbook of the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, because my my fans are nerds. So obviously, yeah. like, that's a thing. You get it. Of course. And it, it's like. The energy that you got with the Nerf one where you're like, I, I can't be mad at people for watching this stuff, but I'm so mad at the people that are refusing to watch this. Right, right. right. And that's how I get when. I, I do a show with somebody that I think is fascinating. And people are like, well, I don't, I don't know this person, so I'm not going to listen. I'm like, that's, that's why I do the show. It's not always going to be a big celebrity. Yeah. It will yeah. be sometime, but sometimes it's just like you got to meet this person because I am obsessed with them, and I'll be there, right? You know, I'll still be there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to be half of that, and I, I probably shouldn't have said obsessed with them because that's that's not the word phrasing that I would do, especially to a person that I'm no, saying that's fine. I love your that's work, fine. but I do, Dan. I love your work. Thank Other you, than the YouTube and the social media, where else can we send people? I mean, that's really it. we have our Patreon. We do update that very regularly. Patreon.com/slash/toygalaxy, and that's every Monday. Greg usually posts the video for that week ad free. So no magic spoon ad, no sheath ad, no whatever ads on there. No VPN uh, ads, no VPN ads, just, just the straight video. I like the and new then, magic spoon ad, by the way, it got the, me uh, thinking the snack bars or whatever the they snack are. Snack bars. Here's the bull. Can I swear on the show? I should ask. Oh, you actually, <laughs> I prefer it. If you do. Okay. I 100% thing about that, that I have to talk to Greg about is, is that B roll footage that I shot of me eating those snacky bars in my kitchen. My cat gets up like on the stool next to me. And I'm like, hey, my cat, look, my cat's in the shot. And he didn't use that shot. Son of a bitch. What the f man? Cat. It's a cat you, on the internet. What are you doing? Yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it is funny because I, I fell into Magic Spoon because the local grocery store had them on sale. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, I'll pay $7.99 for a box of this to see what it's all about. And yeah, that stuff is good. Gets stuck in your teeth, but it does. That's my only real complaint about it is that it does. The, the yeah. And that's just the composition that of that's what it is. Yeah. Whatever flower. I, my brother was the first person I knew that was using it as like snacks for his kids. Like, oh, oh let's dump this on some ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like, except peanut butter. I try. And you can't say that because you're they're a sponsor of your show. I will say I tried peanut we shouldn't butter. We be talking about them right now. They're not a sponsor of this. They're show. not paying for this. Yeah. Yeah. What the it's, hell? <laughs> it's Patreon. I'll talk <laughs> shit on them the whole time. It's actually bad. No. 
but I've tried a lot of of different ones and that, that one really does. So I, I think I even messaged you and I was like, hey, you still doing promo codes on there? Because if I want to go online and do it, I might as well give you the the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's fucking five dollars. Here you go. And I was like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah that's right do they send you merch do they send you cereal like every month oh yeah no they send us i have a stock of magic spoon we like give oh, it yeah. out to people like hey think, try this try it think about that's just that'll save you money like that's that's extra money whenever oh, a sure, sponsor sure. shows up like i understand like getting like a, a toy sponsorship and you're like oh here's another thing that's going to take up space or i might have to sell this or whatever but with a food sponsorship if you like the food you're just like I mean, this is just saving me an extra $80 a month if I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> How many boxes a month do they send you? They don't send it if I don't ask for it. Oh, so, okay. But you can like, just yeah. ask for it? Oh, yeah. Like if, well, because we have uh, uh, a number of sponsorships scheduled throughout the year. And so it'll be like, oh, do you need, do you need to be restocked before your next sponsorship comes up? And I'll be yes. like, oh, yeah, send me. Or if it's new things like the snack bars that they just introduced or like the new limited edition flavors, they'll, they'll send that stuff. Do out. you feel uncomfortable asking for that stuff? No. no. The um, chalk line guy keeps sending me like all the cool shorts and stuff. Like I do like all my workout gear is from oh, chalk line and they send me stuff. Like a homicide thing. Homicide detective chalk line guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right. Oh yeah. But yeah, it is chalk line and their stuff is great. It's all like, it's all, it's all stuff you would like, but as like, do you want gym shorts or do you want a jacket? Do you want a, a streets of rage satin jacket? We got it. And he's always just like, yeah, just send me a message whenever you want something and we'll send it to you and i feel so uncomfortable that i haven't asked yeah, for yeah like a year yeah, and a half yeah because yeah. i'm like oh i don't know what is that is that weird am i begging am i bothering just being nice time? yeah <laughs> yeah but i will say when i wear the jackets people take photos people like will be like can i take a photo of that where'd you get that not your face like, i, I guess it works yeah i have this like golden axe satin jacket that's like golden oh, okay. axe the arcade cabinet so yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. pink and it's like a pink lavender color with all like these like Frazetta style paintings on the back. Oh, nice. And, yeah. and people are like, that is the best jacket I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was like, Chalkline, they probably still have this. I doubt it sells like crazy. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk sponsorships right. in here. Uh, for those of you that are listening uh, on Patreon, stick around. We got a little Patreon bonus content. For those of you that are not and you want to hear this, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May where you can get early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content of this show, as well as shows like Ugg Fine with Kim Crawl and early access to Nerd with Trey Alvarez. Uh, for now, Dan, say goodbye to the freeloaders. Thank you very much for everybody for listening, for watching, for being a part of this. Thank you to, to Jeff for inviting me to, to, to be on the show today. Check out my channel. I hope you like what you see. You absolutely will. I am. It's a full vouch. I am fully vouching for, for the channel. It's one of my favorite things to consume. And if you want to keep our parasocial relationship continuing, you might want to like the things I like. Is that how that works? So watch Secret Galaxy, pay attention, follow Dan and the show on social media, and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey everyone, our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.